welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. I am so excited today to um, first and foremost have my husband here. Say hey. This is the man, the myth, the legend, (laughs) the man who... um, had a plan and won me over. <laughs> the man with the plan. <laughs> um, I'm also super excited today because we are going to talk about attachment. I love so many avenues and treatments in therapy, but the attachment perspective is totally my favorite. And when we were dating, we talked about attachment, <laughs> yeah. like a couple of psychology nerds. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home from a date and being like, mom, we talked about attachment and she literally, her eyes got wide and she goes, you talked about attachment with him? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, don't mess this up. <laughs> told you so that story, funny. right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark has a bachelor's degree. Well, two of them. Yeah. Bachelor's in psychology. And in sociology. And in sociology. And a human factor certificate in psychology and then a criminology certificate with so- sociology. So. And he moonlights as a stockbroker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my day job is. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's super fun to have him with me. And it's my partner in in this life. It's a happy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's another reason why I'm so passionate about these podcasts. Because I want to get get it out there. Uh, what, what worked. So as I mentioned, we are going to talk a little bit about... Attachment. So let's mm-hmm. just start with a little bit of the history of attachment because someone out there is going to care, right? <laughs> yes. So John Bowlby, he was a British psychoanalyst, and he was the founder of the attachment theory in the 50s, the 1950s. Well, so- Bowlby, too, he was the one that did the study with the monkeys and then the wire um, wire mother versus, like, the soft, fluffy mommy mm-hmm. to, for, for milk, right? For yeah, so that's where he was first, that's- where he first figured out that mothers... Um, were important in attachment is because he was having different, he was observing different people feed the baby as compared to the mother and watching the baby's distress, which for the record, I hated those movies in school. It was so stressful. I was was so sad. Like having reminiscing like back in the day of those old slide films. Oh, and you just like sit in class and be like, the baby baby monkey runs over, grabs a little bit of milk and the wire monkey and he just runs right back. And the other one that's like the cloth monkey and like, let's snuggle up. Just so, anyway. I'm glad they figured it out that we need each other. I feel a little yeah. bit sad that it took us till the 50s. Not that Peter would have shut him down, but whatever. But really, God bless Peter. Um, so he figured out that we need each other, 
bottom line mm -hmm. and that attachment is important and that you can have uh, it's very important for you to have attachment with your primary caregivers and um, what happened later was that you have the 80s that come along and people decided that they would look and see how your primary attachments influenced your romantic attachments mm -hmm. and they realized there was a connection that if you had some uh, disruptions or inconsistent care as a child that it did affect your romantic relationships and so fast forward to 2000 I don't plus. know, plus when I came across this theory mm -hmm. when I was in school and I was like, oh crap, that's what I'm doing. Um, for the record, like super good attachments. Parents were awesome. Um, I just had some dating experiences that were traumatic for me and it turned into an attachment style called the anxious attachment where I was reactive and fearful and um, kind of made grasps to hold on to things in ways that were unhelpful, like not very effective communication, um, not necessarily attention seeking in negative, really dramatic ways, but definitely like, I can't talk, but you can't leave mm -hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> we have good stories about that. <laughs> definitely. Uh, in the attachment cycle, we have to start at the beginning by understanding and knowing, hey, we have needs. We all come pre-programmed with needs. We need to feel loved. We need to feel connected. We need food. We need shelter, right? When one of those needs gets activated, we show a response like stress. Um, we might, as a baby, cry, fuss, scream. And it's up to the caregiver to be nearby, to be responsive, and to react and to help figure out what the child needs. We meet the need. And it's not really easy to figure out always what a kid needs that. <laughs> we have some kids <laughs> and sometimes we're like did you try this did you try that right there's a checklist right yeah and once you do meet that child's needs the child relaxes mm -hmm. and they show you their soft beautiful eyes and they give you some closeness and snuggles maybe they'll fall asleep in your arms and even though you may be covered in vomit you're like, you're adorable. <laughs> I will do that again. Yeah. I have not showered, but I would do that again. Like, because you, you as a human being also need to be needed. So they need you, you need them. And that's how, um, attachment happens is through attachment happens through sacrifice. So when you're looking for a secure partner and to be a secure partner, what you're looking for is someone who has, is great with dealing with conflict. Someone who can notice that the, maybe the mood shift or that there's something going on and they're not going to have to try to pull it out of you, but they'll, they'll be like, hey, what's up? What's going on? And then the inverse, the partner will be like, yeah, you're right. Something is happening. I can talk about it now. Or we can talk about it later. But they acknowledge that something's happening and they don't act offensively. Um, they like can say my bad. They can acknowledge that if they've made an error, they can apologize, show empathy in that way. You're looking for someone who's mentally flexible. They're not threatened by criticism. They can handle being wrong. Again, this is a big thing. Being able to say my bad is an important part. If you're just always thinking that you've got it right and you've dialed it in right correctly every time, welcome to being alone forever. Uh, effective communicators. This is something that is a lifelong effort, so you don't have to be perfect at that, but someone who desires to communicate and will, you know, I think look for activities that you can, that will help you communicate. So like, Hey, let's go blow off some steam and play some mini golf and try to talk through some things like have fun together and not just make it serious all the time, but then still like sit down and talk. Uh, they're not game players. Now let's be real. Dating's a little bit of a game. Okay. But these are people that they believe in closeness and they believe that others want to play games 
or they believe others want the same thing. And so they don't want to play games. They're not afraid of, of being close with someone. They, they enjoy that. That's what they're looking for. They're quick to forgive. We uh, always, or I always say, and this is something that um, I pass on with my client work is like unconditional positive regard. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to um, anticipate that they acted with the best of intent and not assume that they're out to get me. Assuming that they're out to get me is something that can kind of come into that pre-programmed space with avoidant or anxious. Um, they're treating their partners like royalty. You've become part of the circle and they treat you with love and respect. They're secure in their power um, and they help to improve the relationship and they allow you to do the same thing. You're both housekeepers of the relationship and they feel responsible for your part, their partner's well-being. They care about you. One of the best things that happened when I was dating my husband was that I, I would always say I didn't feel like I was doing life alone. I really truly felt like someone had my back and it allowed me to really work on being there for him. Attachment happens through sacrifice. You have to know that you can make them happy and they have to know if they can make you happy. And so you make sacrifices to learn that about each other and learning that about each other should be the fun part of dating, figuring out what makes them happy, what makes them tick their favorite foods, their favorite colors, their favorite places to go, places that they dream about going, things that make them happy on a Tuesday night. If they've had a bad day, if they've had a good day, spending holidays together, life is just going to keep moving and it should feel enhanced that you're with your partner. It's not going to be perfect, but it should feel like someone that you're sharing life with. And that's what makes life worth living. So let's talk about anxious attachment. We're going to go ahead and just read you a straight up dictionary definition. Yeah. Having an anxious attachment style means you have a greater need for intimacy and emotional closeness. It means you require frequent reassurance from your partner that they love you, that everything is great between you and that they're there for you no matter what. The key here is frequent reassurance. Frequent reassurance isn't like once every couple of days. It's like you find that you are having a difficult time concentrating on other tasks. You're not really at work. You're in your relationship in your head. You're not focusing. Um, you're looking for text messages. You're looking for contact because you need that reassurance that if, he, if, the, if my partner is contacting me, that means that I'm okay and that we're still good and that we're moving forward. In the absence of a partner, the anxious attachment system can really be activated by just fear, fear of what this is going to look like, fear of the future, um, worry and concern about how they're going to be able to move forward in their life, if they will ever do this, like just motivated by a lot of fear. And sometimes the anxious attachment system can cause avoidant behaviors. So that's a tricky, a tricky, tricky part of it. One of my very favorite books on attachment, especially in romantic relationships, is called Attached. It's by Heller and Levine. I'm going to go ahead and read from this about the activating strategies, things that happen when you are anxious. So it's thoughts and feelings that compel you to seek closeness with your partner. Thinking about your mate, difficulty concentrating on other things, remembering only their good qualities, putting them on a pedestal, underestimating your talents and abilities and overestimating theirs, an anxious feeling that goes away only when you are in contact with them, believing this is your only chance for love, like I'm only compatible with a very few people, what are the chances that I'll ever find another person like them? It takes years to meet someone and I'll end up alone, believing that 
even though you're unhappy, you better not let this go. As in, if they leave me, they'll turn into a great partner for someone else. Um, they can change. And all couples have problems. We're not special in that regard. The way that you're looking at the anxious attachment system is that it's preventing you from getting to secure. So again, the anxious attachment system can happen because a caregiver is inconsistent or they're not responsive and the child th learns that they've got to take care of things for themselves. In dating, what can happen is that you find partners that don't match you and you try to communicate and it doesn't work. And so you, you're left longing for closeness and looking for closeness in ways that are unhealthy and kind of weird. Well, it has the opposite effect, right? It's the need is for somebody to comfort you and help you, but all of the reaching out and the like constant reassurance is driving the other person away. Like, oh my gosh, this person's so needy. This is where the whole, oh, she's so needy kind of comes in. Because it's like, well, yeah, there's oh my gosh. anxious, anxious and attachment I, disorder. Yeah. If <clears> I ever had or, a nickel for how many times I've heard a girl in sessions be like, but I don't want to be needy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> welcome to the human experience. You yeah. have some needs. And if you don't communicate them with your partner, how are they ever going to learn how to sacrifice and figure out if that, if me, if meeting your needs is beneficial mm -hmm. like if if they can make you happy and if you can make them happy that's part of the process right exactly figuring out what your needs are and if you don't cry how are they ever going to know that you <laughs> need something now what about if you cry too much how do how do they how do you know when when it is too much usually mm -hmm. um you're going to be evaluating that on the the reactions that your partner is giving you what you're trying to do is create a secure attachment. A, ser a secure attachment is characterized by good communication, mm -hmm. assertiveness, boundary setting. Your needs matter. My needs matter. Um, I can give and take a little bit in that area because I can see, oh, you're hungry. You're tired. You've come home from a trip. So I'm going to give a little bit more even though I'm tired. Or mm -hmm. I've been gone and you have carried the brunt of our relationship for this last little bit. And so I'm going to step in and, and overextend a little bit. And you do that because you're showing love and compassion for your partner. So I kind of want to tell them a story now. Go for it. Okay. We'll Should come back. It. We're going to tell you a story. Now vulnerability is good. And it's one of those essential things in attachment. So I don't really mind sharing our story to illustrate how this comes about in couples. So for me, again, secure attachments as a kid, some dating trauma, ended up with anxious attachment. I met my husband when I was 30. Didn't look a day over 25, <laughs> right? And he was yeah. 31. We are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we met at a young single adult service project. Yep. It actually happened. It happened like that, yeah. <laughs> right? So at this point, we had been dating four or five months. Mm -hmm. Long enough that we had said, I love you. And not long enough that we were like, let's get married. <laughs> exactly. Right. Somewhere in between. <laughs> Somewhere in between that in the land called, we're not even going to ask that question yet because we don't want to know. Right. Yeah. We don't want to know yet. <clears throat> we we're just talking. We were kind of having a communication breakdown, yeah. which happened a lot to us when we were dating, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because it, if it happens now, it's so much shorter. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So. We were miscommunicating about something and with anxious attachment, you, well, for me and a lot of what I see in my practice, you want to fix it right now. When your relationship is out of harmony, it, it, you can't sleep, you can't so eat. Immediate you can't, emergency, this need absolutely yeah. has to be met now. Yeah. And 
if we're not communicating well and I feel like he wants to pull away from me, all I want to do is just like cling to him Mm -hmm. like a starfish on a rock. (laughs) Just (laughs) suck the life out of him. (laughs) Right? And so I was doing that with my behaviors by like Mm -hmm. kind of egging up the conversation, Mm -hmm. egging up, amping up up, the conversation. And he, I could see, I could physically, I could see like backing towards the door. (laughs) Pretty much. Not, yeah. like, not like you were scared, but <clears throat> no, but just like, hey, I don't understand why this is such a big deal or why it has to be resolved now. I mean, and part of that that we really haven't gone into yet is that my attachment style is avoidant attachment style. So, literally, what happens is like, oh, here's conflict, and you're like, okay, well, let's talk about that later. You know, like mm-hmm. this isn't important; doesn't need to be done now. It will essentially resolve itself if it's a big deal, or we'll come back to it later if we need to, or whatever. So Mm -hmm. she's like, no, tell me about it. No, I got to find out how come this is a problem. Why do we, we need to fix this. This is an emergency. We need to fix this now. And and I'm just kind of backing away. Like, why do we need to fix this now? No, it's not important. I think I want to think about it for a little while, meaning like maybe a day or two. And she's like, oh, we want to think about it for a little while. Like a few minutes. Like, like, (laughs) why don't you just mold this around in your head and come back. (laughs) Hit me over the head because that is painful. So I yell at him because I can sense this. I can yell at him. Well, why don't you just leave then? If you're not going to deal with this, then why don't you just leave? And you're like, like exit stage left. I'm out. <laughs> Great day. She said I can leave. <laughs> she said, "Oh, you just leave?" So I left. He's like, "Peace out." Yeah. So then, what did I do? I, le- I let you go. Like, I was like, "Oh, I'll do the right thing and not." Uh, I'll be like, "No." I called him and I literally yeah. said, "Where did you go?" Which was like 15 minutes later, I think, or less. Oh, definitely I was less. Like, in my car. Like, just barely out of the driveway and like, get a phone go? call. Like, where are you? Like, uh, you said leave, so I'm leaving. And I was like, <laughs> you need to come back here right now. <laughs> I was like, no. It's like, Peace we'll talk about it tomorrow. Out. It's cool. Yeah, and, anyway. I'm, and, you know, sleepless night for me, bad day mm-hmm. at work. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get back together the next day, I'm a mess. Mm-hmm. And I'm so drained and so tired that I'm ready to just surrender. Yeah. Like, whatever we can do to make this peaceful, I can't handle it anymore. And he's over here like... I'm not even like, really okay, sure I'm not that this. mad about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, is this really that big of a deal? It's like, yeah, I know you got kind of mad, but I'm cool with whatever you want. Yeah. It wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. But like, so. let's sweat and tears of my day. Mm-hmm. Like, poor work quality. I mean, it, it's it's rough. So mm-hmm. it's important to mention something. At our core, we had secure attachments. Mm-hmm. We knew how to do it. That's what we did in most of our relationships. We wouldn't I don't think if we were classic, always anxious, always avoidant, no, we would have made not it. Not extreme as far as cases of that. At yeah, all, like but. we when we got under stress, when our communication style started breaking down, I would get anxious, he would get avoidant, mm-hmm. and that's where we would have problems. Mm-hmm. And that's eventually what led us to couples therapy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, right before we decided to get married, we had kind of a big, a big one, mm-hmm. um, a big anxious freak out and a big like I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And we decided we didn't want to just throw in the towel because there was so much good there. And we were so happy with each other most of the time. Mm-hmm. So we made an appointment to see a counselor, mm-hmm. which I think was brave. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because especially I remember at the time thinking, like, this is going to be stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to be totally pointless. But So what do you think? Well, it definitely always it's always one of those things that helps to have when you're kind of in an argument or whatever. To have a third party, like, 
dispassionate third party that's not going to necessarily take one side or the other translate the point of view. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you're saying this, but the way you're saying this and the frequency you're saying this and the volume you're saying this is translating into I'm coming after you type of a deal, accusations, whatnot, is what you're hearing on the other side. When in reality, the message is I need you, I don't want you to leave and just hear me. You don't have to do anything necessarily, but you do need to hear me. And kind of the flip side of that was what your actions are is, hey, you're getting this message, but the message that you're getting, you're turning and saying, hey, let's talk about this later. Whereas the flip side of that is being received as I don't care. I'm just going to be gone and leave you to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. I mean, neither one of those two was actually the case. So mm-hmm. it was like the, the therapist was like, this is what this what you're hearing and this is how you're hearing it. But this is what it really means. And so that was super yeah. helpful. I felt like one of the biggest breakthroughs that we both got from that was recognizing that both of us had been hurt before. Because mm-hmm. I think we had under-acknowledged that before and realizing that the, that the level of hurt that he had been through in his past um, made him feel like he had to do things by himself. And so me coming mm-hmm. forward and like kind of pushing for resolution pushed him to a space where he was like, I don't even know if I want you on my team. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I trust you and your judgment at this point because you're acting so irrational. (laughs) Right? And so as soon as she said, you need to calm down and, like, join with him. Mm. And big thing. She's like, you're saying you're trusting him, but your behavior isn't. Right. You need to let, if you're going to trust him, you got to just do it. And I had been alone for a long time and just had to do my own thing. So Mm -hmm. trusting and letting go, as soon as I knew that's what I needed to do, became easier. Yeah. Right. And I think for guys, that's one of the things that happens quite a bit is like, oh, you get into a relationship and all of a sudden if your girlfriend or whatever starts to what you feel is like become a little bit needy, then the, your natural reaction is, oh, I want to stay away from that because that's just too much drama. That's just too much. I'm, I'm fine on my own. I'll just do it, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like, hey, let's figure this out. And I don't want to just be on my own all the time. Let's let's work together. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think you really have to come to a space individually that doing things on your own, you know how to do, Mm -hmm. but that the challenge of doing something together and building Mm -hmm. a life together is new. And so you have to stretch yourself in a different way Mm -hmm. and you have to choose into that. I mean, yes, we had to choose to walk into therapy, but we also had, like, I had to choose to trust. You had to choose to let me in. Mm -hmm. And once we did that, it was so fast how, how settled we became. Don't you feel like that was kind of strange? Like, didn't you expect that we'd still have some blowouts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of funny, too, because even the like the therapists were, like, there, what, a couple of times, two, three, something like that? And yeah, about something like that. It was like, well, you know, I could have you guys keep coming back, but it's not really... I remember we went here. back one time after mm-hmm. we were married. My mom had gotten diagnosed with cancer, and I was having lots of freakouts. Yeah. <laughs> she looked at me, and she goes, well, are you going to talk to him about it? <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, and she's like, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so talk to him about it. And I was like, well, it's a lot. Like, it's a lot. Like, I have so much emotion. And she's nice. like, she looked at him and she goes, can you handle it? <laughs> and he was like, yep. Yep. And she's like, you know, you, you can pay at the door. <laughs> and I was like. That'll be a hundred bucks. Thank you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. So I have to use my words. If I had a t-shirt that I would print, it would say, hashtag, use your words. I say that 17,000 times a day. Yeah. Well, that's because we have a three-year-old that communicates via 
screaming and yeah. noises. Yeah. She's very <laughs> what articulate. What would you like? Oh, man. She talks that's what like we a, ask of her. Bless her. She talks a ton when she wants to and she's happy. But she's adorable. She gets mad. She goes, ah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> we all, though? Don't we all just want to grunt and point? point. <laughs> it's <laughs> actually pretty cute. But <laughs> It's like kind of one of those default behaviors that like, we go oh to when we're, when we're tired, hungry, <laughs> or mad. <laughs> But main point from this story I want mm-hmm. you to get is that if you have a lot of good going on in your relationship and the communication problems seem to be um, part of it, like you can work through that. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge what you're doing and they have to acknowledge what they're doing, but you can work through that. And it can be um, so, so much happier on the other mm-hmm. side of that. I mean, we've been married almost eight years, eight no, years, <laughs> a bunch of old people now, no. <laughs> And truly, I can say, like, and it's not just because he's sitting here staring at me with his beautiful blue eyes, that it has been the happiest of my life. Yep, definitely. Me too. Super love him. It's been awesome. Okay, we'll come back. We're going to talk about avoidance. Mm -hmm. Yay. People that have avoidant attachment issues, like, genuinely want to be hugged, but they'll keep you at arm's length. That's kind of one of their hallmarks. Like, if you have this at your core, that's kind of how you behave all the time. It's that Simon and Garfunkel song, I am a rock, I'm an island, <laughs> right? Okay. There's so many songs in pop culture that relate to attachment system, <laughs> like true. Taylor Swift's all of her albums. Yeah. There's lots of attachment stuff happening there for her. Um, so give us a definition. All right, definition of avoidant attachment. Uh, avoidant attachment types are extremely independent, self-directed, and often uncomfortable with intimacy. They're commitment phobes and experts are at rationalizing their way out of any intimate situation. Regularly complain about feeling crowded, suffocated uh, when people try to get close to them. So this is the, hey, she's so clingy. Oh my gosh, I feel like I need to leave or take a huge break because they're clingy. So the attachment style says, see you later. I'll be back. Maybe. Clingy is such a juicy loaded word <laughs> it is like no girl wants to be it and every guy avoids it. <laughs> right it's so funny though because it's like it's it, it's just more extreme version of that style of attachment you're like okay so you get taught in like boy classes 101 like <laughs> if she's class. clingy <laughs> i think you get taught in dating that when she's clingy, you don't want nothing to do with that because holy crap. What does it feel like when a woman is clingy? Uh, what does it feel like when a two-year-old won't leave you alone? Oh, my They're God. In your is that pocket. the same They won't thing? let you go to the bathroom by yourself. No, no, no. A, a two-year-old's clinginess is being on line of sight for your whole life. Amen. That's what clingy girlfriend is like, too. Line like, of sight. Oh, my gosh. Like, you can't let me go do anything on my own. Like, anything. Out of sight or gone for whatever any type of little thing triggers it and you're like oh my gosh she's so clean just i left five minutes ago and she's calling i have been at work for 10 minutes and she's calling i that's you know do you ever freaking out responding to my text because i didn't text back within five minutes there's there's a rule there is a rule (laughs) (laughs) avoid an attachment system can happen as a kid when your caregivers are just not available uh they cannot reach you you cannot reach them so you just learn to take care of yourself yeah. it can happen um through dating trauma or sometimes through just a traumatic re- romantic relationship sometimes you develop this after the loss of a loved one you can develop this after a divorce um you can develop it inside of a bad relationship because you just you, you just shut down you don't want to deal and so you avoid some of the characteristics that happen along with the avoidant attachment 
can be signs of addiction where you're using something else to cope with the feelings because remember in attachment you have to turn to someone to have your needs met and avoidance they want to do it by themselves but you still have the needs and so to soothe yourself you use things harmful things sometimes that can be a behavioral addiction sometimes that's a substance addiction and again this is kind of more at the extreme Definitely. But if you research addictions nowadays, they you'll notice that many treatments are now attachment centered mm-hmm. because they're helping uh, people have attachment figures and work through the trauma there to calm their system and to turn to people to meet their needs because they just don't trust. No yeah. one was there for them before. Why would somebody be there for them now? They don't feel lovable. They don't feel like it's worth their time. So in romantic relationships, what can happen? Because it's interesting that they're still going towards a romantic relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, we're wired for connection, hardwired. Yeah, we you, want to be with someone. You start to go into that, like, hey, I want to be with this person. I want to be close with this person. But at the first sign of any type of a trouble, uh, any type of trouble or whatever, something that like, hey, this isn't perfect for me. Then they start to just back away. Yeah. This is where you get ghosting from and all kinds of crap like Oh, that. ghosting. <laughs> like, well, I'll see you later. Hey, you did even say goodbye. Huh? I haven't yeah. seen you for 20 years. What happened? <laughs> yeah, no, but really. Okay, so some common deactivating strategies, some things that happen. This is from the book Attached. Saying or thinking, I'm not ready to commit, but staying together sometimes for years. Focusing on small imperfections in your partner. The way they talk, dress, eat, just fill in the blank, and then you allow it to get in the way of your romantic feelings. Pining after the ex, like the phantom ex. Oh, the phantom ex, like the one that got away. Flirting with others, which is a hurtful way to introduce insecurity into the relationship. I've had clients where they've been at events and the guy will flirt right in front of them. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa, the girl will. I just... Oh, man. And they stay. They stay. Anyway. Not saying I love you while implying that you do have feelings towards that person. Pulling away when things are going well. So like you've just been close, you've had a great weekend, and then they don't call for several days after that intimate date. Mm. Forming relationships with an impossible future, such as with someone who's married. Uh, yeah, that's not a good idea. Checking <laughs> out mentally when your partner is talking to you. I kind of do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's, that's quite brain. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Just <laughs> Keeping secrets and leaving things foggy to maintain a sense of your independence. Uh, this one always kind of makes me giggle because I'll get people that will like clients will text me and be like, he said this or she said that. And I'm like, that's called keeping it foggy. If they're not going to like be clear with you, it's not necessarily the first sign of impending doom, but it is something to put it, it put is, your finger uh, on. Something to take into consideration. Like, okay, something's up. Mm-hmm. And then the last one here, avoiding physical closeness, like not wanting to share the same bed, not wanting to have sex, walking several strides ahead of your partner. Uh, this, this I think, can kind of happen. So just as a, as a side note for those of you who are LDS, um, when you're avoidant, sometimes you totally avoid physical contact at all mm-hmm. to the point that your partner goes, are, is this are romantic? Interested in me? Yeah. Like, is, are we just here? friends? Because yeah. they won't come near you physically mm-hmm. like there's not even a hand holding or a hand on the small of your back or like a reassuring side hug, oh, <laughs> side hug. yeah i mean if they, you don't get a side Lotting. hug by the third date <laughs> it's not going anywhere no <laughs> you have to really work on that if that's but yeah it. like that's that's one of the things that you need to do now keep in mind as we're going through the highlight of these things like there are solutions and there are things that you can do to work through them we might 
throw that into another podcast. But if you're identifying yeah. inside of this, really what you need to do is you need to go get help. Yeah, if this is ringing some bells and you're realizing like, okay, this is what's happening in my relationships. I'm interested in having a relationship, but for some reason, even when there's not really anything significantly wrong, you're like, oh my gosh, this is just driving me nuts. I just, I just don't need to be this person or what's and why, it yeah, why is it that you can't work through this problem alone in your head? Because I will say this, a high percentage mm-hmm. of guys have avoidant attachment systems. Yeah, and essentially what happens is you get normalized to it, right? You're like, oh, well, if they're not just, if I'm not super attracted to them all the time for every little thing, then it must not be like true love. It must not be like a, a true relationship. And and why would I do that? I can just do my own thing. It's, it's fun to hang out and be with them for a little bit, but then I can just go do whatever. Like I want to be by myself, I want to, you know check out yada yada mm-hmm. this is my time and if they're trying to bug me during my time then they're so clingy mm-hmm. right so that's that's gonna be the catchphrase for the, the and i feel phase. like sometimes when they do finally when men do finally go ask someone for help mm-hmm. whoever they do like maybe that one or two one or another person like my english is bad <laughs> then they'll say a couple of things and their person will hear well, if you're not attracted to him, if you're not into him, don't bother. You should know by yeah. now. I hear this all the time. Well, they told me I should know by now. And since I don't know by now, I'm done. <laughs> Nothing like somebody else telling you what, what you should know about a relationship that you're in that they have no clue about. <laughs> For real. So I recommend talking to a neutral third party. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Like a, like a therapist so that you can really identify how these issues are manifesting inside a relationship for you. Bottom line is, though, if you don't want to get to the other level... And you don't want to be in a healthy, secure relationship mm-hmm. and be married, then don't work on it. Like, it's fine. But if you actually do, you really need to go work yeah. on it. Find a good therapist. Yeah, interesting enough. I think that's the point, right? It's like, okay, there's dating because dating is fun and you like dating. But there's also dating with a purpose of, hey, I do want to have a lasting, long-term relationship and get married. And so it's, it's kind of a different perspective. There's nothing wrong with just dating mm-hmm. unless you're deciding, wow, I want to be married, but what do you, my habits are just not What do you think it that. takes? I, I have my perspective for women and mm-hmm. really for men too, but I want to hear from you. What do you think it takes? When does a man, what does a man need to do or how does he say, yes, I do want to get married? Like um, what happens for him? I don't know. I think it kind of depends like the society doesn't really help us much with this because it's like what's the point of being married when you can just date forever you know like you don't ever have to have a long lasting relationship because you can just have a relationship after relationship after relationship and be fulfilled that way but at the same time that's kind of shallow and and fleeting whereas like I think that takes that realization like hey wow this is kind of like Groundhog Day over and over my yeah. dating cycle. And like, I'd really like to just be with one person. And I think that a lot of people don't really get like how a lot of guys, I would say, don't really get like how having that one single relationship and, you know, having a family and, and building a life together is so much more fulfilling than just dating all the time. Yeah, so I think it, it, you're exactly right. I think women, it, it's the same. Like you just, you seek that extra level of fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? You become unsatisfied by the status quo of just like even a long-term relationship not going to the next level. Um, I remember when when um, 
I was looking for a potential spouse, I was really look, like looking for men that wanted to be a husband, wanted to have kids and like enjoyed yard work <laughs> and getting up on Saturday mornings and having waffles and Friday night movies with popcorns and snuggles. Like I was looking for someone who wanted that kind of a lifestyle, but then also was had a sense of adventure. Like let's go do something spontaneous and um, let's plan, plan big, like dream big. So it was, it was just this, this healthy balance of, yes, I want to stay home, but yes, I also want to have mm-hmm. adventures. And I, I remember when we were first talking at the dance we were talking about things that we like to do. And we both yeah. were like, we like skiing. Really? Yeah. I like hiking. Really? <laughs> I like hanging out with my family and watching movies. I was like, no. <laughs> like just someone that kind of liked all the yeah. same things. And it, I, I literally didn't believe it. I was like, too good to be true. Yeah, Andy's cute. Too good to be true. Funny we were talking about like wakeboarding and water skiing oh. and snowboarding and stuff like that. And you're like, wait, you water ski? I'm like, yeah. Wakeboard? No way. Where? I was like, oh yeah, I did that all the time as a kid growing up. So Side story, the first time I ever took him wakeboarding. <laughs> um, I don't wakeboard, I ski. But um, he got up and he was like, he jumped the wake and he looked <laughs> so freaking sexy. I was like in the boat like, are fun. you kidding me? And then... Um, he backed the trailer up. My <laughs> friend's husband looked at me and she, he was like, he can back up the trailer. Don't screw this up. <laughs> it's not a back a trailer down the ramp. Because we had been auditioning Duh. guys on the boat for a couple of years by that point. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's really funny. So I'm my on my mom's side of the family, my uncles all uh, had boats and things like that. And especially my, my one uncle, um, <clears throat> Kent, he... Uh, would always have his daughters bring their boyfriends on the boat and they'd go boating before he would kind of give permission to like, you know, keep Date dating. Daughter. Or, yeah. Smart man. And it's, it was kind of funny because you could really tell a lot, like if they'd never been wakeboarding or water skiing before, how frustrated they would get and how they act when they're, they can't do something. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a, uh, telling well, like how they interact like, with others. Oh yeah. It's absolutely. supposed to be lighthearted and fun, but yeah, you oh, need to be safe and not reckless. Mm-hmm. Well, you and you're going to swallow some water, so yeah. <laughs> let's see what you look like when you look like a drowned rat. <laughs> if you can handle That's that so with some uh, grace and be like, man, I suck at this, but it's so much fun. Yeah. And like, oh, dude, you can come with us well, anytime Well, and like from my end, I'm not world class. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was looking for a this guy that fun. wasn't going to be like, well, she's not amazing. And I, I didn't yeah. want a guy that was going to make me feel goofy for my skill level. I enjoyed yeah. doing it. I like being out there. And for heaven's sake, don't throw me in the water. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Don't I throw me that. in the water. Someone threw me in the water one time when he was with me. And Mark saved me. I was like, <laughs> again, he's so hot. This is going to be a podcast about how we're oh, attracted gosh. to each other. We apologize, but we are. Now, as a side note, you can get into this anxious avoidant trap where you're anxious, they're avoidant, and this is where conflict happens. This is what happened with Mark and I and why we ended up going into therapy. Because most of the time we did secure... But when we'd have breakdowns, we were getting into those attachment systems and we needed to figure that out. Again, go to therapy. I can't say that enough. Read some books, go to therapy, talk to someone, find a a trusted counselor that will help you work through some of these things and feel confident and comfortable in the fact that you deserve to be loved and that you deserve happiness and that this isn't just something for other people. You matter and your happiness matters. And marriage isn't something that just happens to other people. It can happen for you. I believe that you choose marriage. I believe that you do the work and you choose to find someone to be with. 
I also believe that there is a sense of uh, timing that needs to come into it and that you have to show readiness to do the work. So it's not just a matter of you going out there and randomly picking someone and forcing a fit. Uh, it's But it's truly about you working through your issues and allowing yourself to receive someone in your life and let them love you. And then you doing the work of loving them and keeping that going through good communication and courtship and love. Thanks so much for listening to this episode on attachment. Again, the book that we reviewed is called attached by Heller and Levine. Any last thoughts? Oh, no, I did. Well, I think that, um, one of the things that tends to trip up guys, and we've kind of talked about this before, is that a lot of times guys get into kind of a scenario where they're like, oh, why isn't this working out? What's going on? But why should I do this? And sometimes guys just need to make the decision, yeah, I want to make, I want to date to get married. Mm-hmm. Just make that conscious decision of why am I dating? Because it's fun. I get it. There's, you know, dating's cool. We get to meet people and do fun things and get to know different personality types and find out what you like and, and, a girlfriend and, and wife and whatnot but mm-hmm. um yeah at some point you probably need to just make that decision on hey i'm not just dating for fun at this point i'm dating because mm-hmm. i do want to be married and have a family and have a fulfilling relationship and life mm-hmm. there's a lot of perks that come on the other side and i mm-hmm. i don't want to like lure them over <laughs> you like oh come to the side of marriage because it's so much happy over here i'm pretty sure a lot of people know that yeah, well, also, you don't want to be like, well, so that's my solution. I just need to get married. Yeah. It's like, no, you need to figure out your attachments and date people with getting married in mind so mm-hmm. that you make the right decisions and get married to a person that you'll be happy with and that, mm-hmm. you know, helps. Because really, again, I said this already mm-hmm. before in so many of the episodes, but you're trying someone on for a fit. And if yeah. it doesn't fit, you can both lovingly acknowledge that and send each other okay, back into the world working. and say, hey, I love you. I appreciate mm-hmm. the time we spent. And it's not working, but you should always uh, give someone, I I feel like if there's attraction there, you need to walk through that experience. You need Mm -hmm. to experience what that's like with them and, and find out side note. I feel like this is super important. In my opinion, men start the secure cycle by approaching the woman and asking her out. Oh, totally agree. Absolutely. Right. And it's not that a woman can't ask a guy out, but I Mm -hmm. feel like it just kind of thwarts the process a little bit because he has to do the pre-contemplation work of saying like, Mm -hmm. could I make her happy? I don't know. Let me get to know her a little bit. And if I can make her happy, then that will make me feel better. And so I'm going to try and I'm going to be scared, but I'm going to be brave and ask her out. But really when you start dating and looking for like, Hey, um, I want to date with the, the intention of getting married then you do want to start with, hey, I, you know, the man, I'm going to ask her out and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to take that risk and show, you know, hey, I'm willing to do this to right. have a date. This is part of his his attachment. Like he has to work through that process in his head of I'm going to take a risk and mm-hmm. I'm going to see if this is going to pay off. And I'm a little nervous, but that nervousness kind of drives him to see if he can please her and make her happy. Exactly. And for her, what it does for her is she feels complimented and she says, Oh, now this is nice. Cause I can sit back and explore if I have these feelings for him. I don't feel pressured to perform and to like, I always felt sometimes like a circus monkey. Like <laughs> I need to perform and tell you, you yeah. like me and I need to make you laugh and I need to show you my cooking resume and, <laughs> and all these things. And I think a woman can ask a guy out and like turn his head in her direction mm-hmm. 
to start, but I, I always prefer that the guy approaches and asks her out. And mm-hmm. I think if, if you're a guy out there and you're waiting for her to ask you out, or you're wondering if she likes you and if she does, she'll ask you out. Just don't oh, waste your time. This, take, yeah, like you just go do it. Carpe diem. Men, you have a window of opportunity mm-hmm. with a woman, like seize the day. Do it. So uh, that's our attachment episode. Thanks right. for being here, honey bunny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have him back for some more. We appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of, is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.